What is up, everyone? We are back with another episode of Shaping the Culture. I know we haven't posted anything for about a week and a half. We've, we're have we in the middle of a pandemic, ladies and gentlemen. Um, and so we, you know, uh, pastoring Parazim Church is my first priority. And so just uh, working through some things and um, trying to work out how church will look like online has has been the aim and focus and you know all the meetings have gone to FaceTime and you know Zoom or what have you phone calls and so I've been really busy but I hope you've enjoyed the the last episode we put out because the last episode was with Lecrae and uh, I uh, I hope it encouraged you I hope um, it helped you in, in the season that you're in Lecrae got real vulnerable and real honest about his journey and he definitely dropped a, a a single after that so i'm excited about his journey and i'm excited about the music he's about to put out but we are back we are back with some more episodes and we do got some exciting news if you do follow me on instagram i will be dropping a promo for some content i will be releasing next week um so yeah follow me on there to, to kind of get updated on what's going to happen in the following week in the following weeks and so yeah but i i am excited for today's episode we got uh, a dope person with us today we got an intellectual uh we got a reader we got a leader we have uh, a talented uh gifted anointed man of god with us today uh he also happens to be my cousin um we got zero in the building what's good zero What's up? Uh, the knees are easy. They don't know about Neezy, do they? Nah, man. That, those are TNG boys days. <laughs> that was a different era, bro. I was trying to serve the Lord in, in, a, in a different way then. <laughs> <laughs> it sounds like from your tweet, you got to bring him back during this two-week shutdown in Minnesota, though. Listen, man. We might have to bring those bars back. <laughs> I'm itching Dude, again. I've been begging you. I've been begging you. <laughs> yeah, maybe, maybe not. We'll see, but... <laughs> yeah, you're 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 uh, a listener of Shaping the Culture, which is yep. dope. It's always dope to have people that actually tune in to be on the podcast. Um, yeah. So, but uh, yeah, welcome to Shaping the Culture, bro. Appreciate that, homie. So, um, for today's episode, we're going to do something a little uh, different. We, we do hope to share some truth and. Um, share some insight but it will be through storytelling and um, experience sharing uh, of our experiences and me and Zero definitely have a lot of similar experiences in in what we're going to talk about today and so yeah we want to definitely be charitable and gracious uh, but we also want to be honest with uh, what we've noticed and how we've came up and you know some of the things we've learned and witnessed on the way and so, uh, do you kind of want to start is there? You want to kind of share, um, your journey, like how you came to Christ? Uh, what was it like growing up in the Ethiopian church? And then I think early on you, you made that transition over to like an all white church, if I'm not mistaken. Um, yeah. Or like yeah. a Caucasian church. I want to be politically correct for <laughs> yeah, American church. Yeah. Yeah. Tell your story and, uh, we'll, we'll go from there. Yeah, for sure, and we can uh, build on it, and if there are any questions about it, just let me know. But yeah, um, like he said, uh, he and I are both Ethiopians, first-generation Americans, though, born here, and so we were both raised 
and me, I was raised with my family, four other siblings, in the Ethiopian church here in America. Mm-hmm. And uh, for almost all of the Ethiopian churches that I've been to worldwide who are in the Ethiopian evangelical movement, it's almost synonymous with charismatic slash Pentecostal. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. But we have our own flavor to it. Mm-hmm. And so that's what a lot of what I grew up in. And so some positive things about that that I really uh, grew to love was the importance of holiness mm-hmm. and obedience in the life of a child of God, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. That's something our parents always taught to us um, as children, as we were always reading the necessity of faith yeah. was super important. However, uh, what, I, what we also grew up with was a lot of... Um, experiencing of things that seemed to be supernatural. And like as a kid, it was just easy for me to receive it as always spiritual, Yeah, but seemed to be pretty problematic Mm. over time sometimes. So sometimes uh, if we want to talk about it, it could maybe be an example would be the abuse of tongues in which I've seen, Mm -hmm. or maybe in the way Jesus was spoken about Mm -hmm. or God was spoken about was like primarily about like, our individual like growth and love for him primarily, which these things by themselves are not terrible things, right? Yeah. But they ended up misconstruing a lot about my view and mm. actually being uncomfortable towards my view towards Jesus. Yeah. Right? And so um so I would go to Friday night youth uh programs and like we would be in worship settings and the music key time lasted maybe like an hour and thirty minutes <laughs> and the sermon was maybe twenty, right? Yeah. <laughs> and so early on it kind of showed what was central in the heart and the life of the church. Mm-hmm. And so I was just accepting it, this, that and the other. So as a kid though, I always loved the stories about Jesus and his forgiveness, yeah. even when I was like four, five, six, seven because I was very aware, especially because I got in trouble a lot as a child. Uh, mm-hmm. Ebenezer can attest to that. You definitely he saw were. me. You were a bad <laughs> kid, me. bro. You were a bad <laughs> kid. <laughs> yes, sir. A bad kid. Uh, my auntie, uh, Avi, she would always call me Kashkaja. That was her favorite thing <laughs> to call me. At family gatherings, all these things. And so... <laughs> so all, all of that. And so anytime I could hear about forgiveness and someone still loving mm-hmm. me through all of that, when I felt like everyone hated me, I was all for it. <laughs> like, oh, acceptance? <laughs> Dope. And by yeah. God, let's, let's go. And so there was definitely at least a basic understanding of Jesus' cross being saving for me. But man, I still treasured my sin over all of that. Mm. which I'd heard, and I hadn't really been around anyone that rebuked me mm. and that other than teachers getting angry and trying to disciple us towards, just listening towards what they were saying. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. It wasn't really formative and pointing us towards the truth of the Bible more than it is. If you just obey us, God will be pleased. Yeah. Or if you just obey your parents, God will be pleased. Yeah. This, that, and the other. Yeah. And so that would shape a lot of my view of how God, forgive me and uh, and, and just uh, got, well not necessarily forgive me but how God looked at me yeah. just like this brat in nuisance who <laughs> mm. like kind of always um, mm. got in trouble and so kind of that continued for the first several years of my life and I don't know 
if you remember this, but there was a Midwest, probably like, no, not Midwest, there was a Kansas Springboard Conference probably eight or nine years ago. And do you remember one of the morning services where one of the dudes spoke for like four hours? I actually, I didn't actually start going to can- the, the, the spring break conference until I became a youth pastor in St. Louis. I didn't know you guys were doing that. So it was like five oh, years. Like 2015 okay. was the first one I went to. And uh, yeah, I just didn't know. Oh, yeah, that's right. I guess it was just like Dallas and St. Louis kind of at that point. Yep, yep, yeah. Minnesota, I know, we, we were out uh, of the Okay, thank you. <laughs> well, I'm glad y'all, <laughs> y'all have come now. Yeah, literally, um, that's everybody's story from Midwest. Like, yo, we don't really, like, where'd you guys come from? Y'all weren't really there, but y'all were there. Like, what? Yeah, anyways, mm-hmm. yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, and so that happened. But there was a Midwest where there was a dude who preached um, for, like, four hours mm. that morning. And he used a lot of terms I didn't understand, but there was this topic of assurance that we even talked about in the breakout sessions that was super important. But he came from Romans 5, right? And he's talking about how a sinner can have peace with God. Yeah. Literally, that's how the chapter starts off. (laughs) Yeah, absolutely. And I'm like, okay, let's... I haven't spent too much time thinking about peace my whole life. You know what I mean? <laughs> uh, I've kind of just been focused on like forgiveness, obedience, and faith, and like just love generic terms you'll hear in the church, but also anywhere else that has moral compass. <laughs> yeah. And so I hear this speaking about our position towards God now, and it goes so much more deeper Mm-hmm. than just the bad things we do, right, mm-hmm. that need forgiveness for, but that it's our very nature, <laughs> right? It's yeah. the very essence of who we are as people, <sighs> namely sinners who need to be reconciled to God totally, not just the terrible things we do, yeah. right? And he's good, just man. talking about how faith in Jesus, the one who was crushed for you, that was spoken about in Romans three twenty one through twenty six, and how even Abraham was saved in Old Testament by looking towards that, it being credited towards righteousness mm-hmm. and believing God would fulfill His covenant and His Son, which is how we can have righteousness yeah. too. Yeah. And so understanding the whole work of Christ mm-hmm. and His person really helped me understand myself when I was twelve at that conference yeah. and at that night, man. Uh, it was Hanok Nule. He was um, leading worship with uh, Israel was there, and Matthew was playing drums, and there was this continual, like, course I was saying, here is my heart, you can have it all, and mm-hmm. I'm there. And uh, the way I'd explain it is the Spirit made sweet to me the news of the Gospel that I would say I've heard before, but mm-hmm. the understanding and the tasting that came there is kind of what I would say... Um, my encounter, per se, with Jesus uh, really ended up being more than superficial. Mm. Um, it ended up becoming an understanding of this person and his nature in wow. a way I, I, I just didn't know. And so, which is why, like, around that time in my life, actually, a lot of people have been encouraging to me about this. It was not long after that where I wrote a song called Encounters. 
because I came uh, legendary. I came, uh, <laughs> I appreciate that. I, I came face to face, obviously in a metaphorical way, but I, I came to grips with the person of Jesus mm-hmm. uh, at that very moment in my life, and I didn't even so kind of like after that. Uh, I stayed in the Ethiopian church for about three to four more years and uh, didn't know too much more of how to engage with the Bible in the way that had been brought that conference. Yeah, uh, My parents have been very helpful in my life saying, hey, try to read five to ten minutes a day and then let it increase and uh, just spend time alone with God, spend time trying to get to know the heart of God through what He's revealed in His Word. Yeah. which is super helpful, but I didn't know how to do that around people. Yeah. And so then I kind of just went back into the same habits, bro, um, that yeah. I'd always had before. Yeah. Um, disobedience, arrogance, um, kind of um, shame feeling a lot of the insecure <laughs> happenings that would happen at school, like in my relationships. Yeah. And not really considering Jesus as my greatest story that I had hmm. come to know hmm. by that point. Yeah, And that kind of just led to a lot more years of confusion and wanting to be fulfilled by so many things. And then, honestly, how I transitioned to the um, Caucasian church that I went to was when I was uh, about 15 years old, the, fresh, the, the year after my, the summer after my freshman year of high school, mm-hmm. uh, there was this girl that I liked. And I needed community service hours. Ooh, it always starts with semester. the girl, bro. It always starts always. with the girl. <laughs> I hate so much that my like life actually has that story because it's <laughs> so common. <laughs> like, there's an inherent desire in me that is to be like different, right, than a lot of people's stories. But so many things are um, contagious <laughs> to all people. You can't escape. <laughs> Amen. And, let let the Lord use you know it. What I'm saying? Let him use it. Hey, let him. And so, yeah, man. uh, So I went to this community um, service thing that was actually a BBS at this place called Lenexa Baptist Church. Turns out this girl wasn't even there uh, that week, uh, but she does go to that church, did go to that church, does now. And, um, man, I started helping out as a BBS leader. Mm-hmm. And I actually, uh, one of the things that I was working with sixth graders, and we ended up going to uh, serve in the community at, at actually the other Ethiopian church in the campus town, right? And so, like, the VBS was very engaging and interactive for kids to see uh, the needs of people in a physical sense, but also how important it is to be agents of Christ. The VBS that year was called Agency D3, like, discover... Uh, decide and defend so trying to get you remember that (laughs) yeah yeah (laughs) and so um trying to get uh kids at a young age um very focused on the importance of the faith so discover what it is and like the decision that is necessary to respond to it and the ability to defend it obviously you're not going to accomplish that in a week but the way in which they did that and attempted to, it was very appealing to me. So I was like, just see, let me see what they're about. And so I went on a Wednesday night towards their youth group, and I met a guy named Drew Robinson, and to make this the long story a little shorter, it, he discipled me for three years, son. Uh, he, the way in which he discipled me most effectively 
if he showed me what it looks to love people like Jesus in a mm-hmm. way that goes out of the way. And That's in meeting you, I started working at a janitor at the church that I see, and this will go into the conversation I have later today of the stereotypical black janitor at a white church. I was kidding that guy too, but um, as I was a janitor, I met a guy named Brendan, and the way he effectively discipled me is to be a person who loves the Word. Mm-hmm. And these past five years, like, of, he, he taught me hermeneutics, right, before mm-hmm. I ever went to school, what it looks like to um, engage with the text in the first century or when it, whenever it was written, and to see it in their day. He's teaching me this at like 16 or 17. And so the Bible is like opening up mysterious, like multiverses to me that I didn't even know could be said. I just took them trying to take all the propositions and say, Steve, that's, God, that's all it means. Yeah. Right? And take it at face value. But I'm being taught how to like pry out meaning from the text mm-hmm. uh, at this age. And I didn't even know that was happening because they're meeting me with buying me lunch, they're taking me to uh-huh. other churches that need help in serving and yeah. all those things. And so the, it was very formative yeah. in um, helping me change like some of my theology, kind of some of my focuses, uh, what was the importance of the church, um, what's so great about salvation, and what's so awesome about the God yeah. we serve. And so that's kind of my really long story. <laughs> Bro, you know what's actually crazy? I don't know... Um if you remember this, but I think it was like, I want to say 2015, we were in DC for a cousin's wedding. And I don't know, how old were you? I was like, it was my first year out of college. I was 24 at this time. Yeah, I was 14 or 15. 14, 15. All right, check this out. So you're 14, 15, and we're in the car driving to, I don't know if it was like the reception or what it was, but you were reading like this. I, I don't know. If, I forgot if it was like a Jonathan Edwards or a Spurgeon um, commentary or biography or discover. I don't. I don't remember like what it. Do you remember what you were reading? Yeah, I think actually it was uh, Charles Swindoll's commentary on Job. Yes, that's what it was. Yes, yes, yes. Yeah. And I remember yeah, yeah, like yeah. thinking like, what is this dude doing here? <laughs> He's like a 14, 15-year-old reading something I would enjoy reading at a tw- at 23, 24 and as like a pastor, but you're 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 like freshman, sophomore year in high school. Mm-hmm. And you were like devouring a commentary by Chuck Swindle on yeah. Job of all books, not John, Job. <laughs> <laughs> and uh I, I just remember like it was, it, I remember like vividly thinking that, yo, this dude, he's, God's going to use him profoundly, you mm-hmm. know, like that your your it wasn't just like your heart that he had. He also had captivated your mind. And mm-hmm. I was, I was ever since then, I was like excited to see what the Lord was going to do with you. And so, uh, wow. yeah, you don't really see a lot of 14, 15 year olds doing that. So, but anyways so just to yeah, throw that you out remember there. that man that's awesome yeah i was mad confused bro i was i was like <laughs> shouldn't you be watching VeggieTales or something no i'm just kidding <laughs> <laughs> it's yeah. probably the last time you had seen me before that i was acting like i was only watching VeggieTales. Right? <laughs> like 
yeah that was like the it was like the there there was this like like it's like on one end my guy's not tying his shoes but on the other hand he's like devouring a chuck swindle commentary it was anyways but uh, <laughs> but uh but yeah no i'm excited so so that's kind of your story how you came to christ and then how you started getting into the deeper things of god you just through being involved at an american church had a couple of guys pour into you and disciple you yeah um, and so yeah that's dope so um i'm gonna kind of give my uh, yeah. I think I've shared my testimony a little bit, but I was actually, I went on a walk with your brother earlier today. It was, it's a, I don't know okay. if you know, but we're going on shutdown tomorrow for the next two weeks. And yeah. so I was like, let me get all the fresh air I can get. Um, and so we went on a walk and we, we were just talking about um, theology and, you know, one camp versus another and all that good stuff. But I, I was, it got to the place where we, we talked about like what God had done with us and, I got saved when I was like 14 and um, long story short, the Lord just had really opened my eyes to his goodness and his love towards me um, in the midst of, you know, my sin and brokenness. You know, he, yeah. you know, I, I, people always ask what, what did God save you from? And I always say, he sell, he saved me from self-righteousness. You know, I really mm. thought, you know, I didn't have that crazy story where I was like a partier and I was out here sleeping around, getting drunk and high you know, and I actually remember there was a season in my life where I wish that was my story, but now I'm yeah. very thankful for the story I have. And I got me like, man, I, I have less baggage because of that now. Um, but in pastoring, we'll show you that. But anyway, so, uh, all that to say, like God showed me, no, you think you're good enough for my love. And he had to break me and show me that I wasn't, but he had loved me regardless. And so I was on this high and I was like, man, God loves me. But you know, I didn't really have like a robust theology. I didn't have, I didn't really know who God was, which is really, really dangerous. Um, we're in a sermon series on Philippians yeah. in our church. And there's something that Paul says in Philippians one, where he says, you know, this is my, this is my prayer that your love may abound in knowledge and deep insight. And it's, mm -hmm. that's really key because, you know, a lot of us, um, we, we, we think we can love God without knowing God, but Paul is saying the way in which you love God is by knowing him and having in, an insight, a deep insight as to who he is. And, that's really you good. know, yeah, yeah. And so for me, I, I, I was a very unstable person I, I would be like the highs were high the lows were the lows like it was never stable it was very and and it was honestly because I was chasing a lot of emotion I was chasing experiences I was uh, I was chasing moments with God and they they came far and few in between is that the saying how's the saying go far and few I don't know yeah far and few between that's right yeah and so you know, I would have to wait maybe once a year, like at that conference or uh, maybe like this one Friday night service really did it for me. But because I didn't know him, it was hard for my affections to grow for him. And mm -hmm. being in the Abisha context, like I didn't really have resources. I, I wasn't really taught how to read the scripture. I, I wasn't taught how to, 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 to grow in my knowledge of who he was. You know, I would, I was heavily dependent on Friday night services and Sunday morning services. Like that was, 
that was it. And I, I mean, it's not that I didn't read my Bible. I read, I just, I guess I didn't know what the, what I was reading, you know? And, yeah. and so like my love was not growing because there was no knowledge and insight. And we'll get to that in a second. Cause I think that verse will be very instrumental. It, it goes the other way too. Like our knowledge and deep insight should lead to love for God. Um, and, and, mm-hmm sometimes it's used to put other people down and to puff ourselves up and you know no no we god reveals himself to us so that we can love him better and the way we love him mm-hmm. is by loving others the way we obey the first command is by obeying the second command right mm-hmm. and so the the greatest command right and so i uh i just you know i would be it was a kind of like you after 12 years of age where you're just kind of up and down and you know you would you wouldn't really grow in your relationship with God. That's kind of like what would happen with me, a very up and down emotional journey. And then I went to college. I went to, I went to a, a Christian university and I think it was my, so- yeah, it was my sophomore year. Um, I had a friend of mine, Jake, shout out to Jake. I don't think you'll ever hear this, but he was, um, dope guy like I was always fascinated by him he was like the uh, a quarterback for the football team and I don't know if it's just like the way I was raised to see quarterbacks like I just I never thought quarterbacks would love Jesus but this dude loved Jesus and um one day after chapel he's like hey and we had speech class together too but he was like hey you know there's this bible study starting up like you should you should come through I was like dope and at this point in my life like I was very hungry to grow my walk with God um, I was just mm-hmm. kind of done of done with playing the games and I just wanted stability and I was at a broken place in my life too but that's a whole nother story and so I went to the Bible study and man <laughs> bro Oh my goodness. I was like, you know, the, the way I grew, bro, like, like Bible study slowly turned like I was eating that thing up and, and the guy mm. leading the Bible study was like, Hey man, I'm starting a discipleship program. I'm going to get like four or five guys. It's going to be a little bit more intimate. It's going to be, it's going to require a little bit more of you. I was like, yo, sign me up. And yeah. I, I had Jake which was the quarterback at the the school I went to and my mentor Eric teach me how to read my Bible. I remember Jake, like we would be, um, I remember this so clearly, but we would be, um, in, in kind of like the, uh, the hallway of the dorm, not the hallway, but like the end area where there's like tables and it's like a common area yeah. or what have you. And, he would be like, all right, let's read this together. And we read line by line. He's like, all right, what does that mean? And I was like, oh, this is what I mean. And he's like, where did you get that from? And I, and I, was, like, I was like, I don't know. I think that's what it means. He said love. So he's talking about loving. He's like, no, no, no. How do we love? Like the verse shows us how to love, in the, you know? And he literally walked with me. And then my, my uh, mentor, Eric, at the time, he would meet with me every week. And he would also teach me how to read. And he would give me... Um, he would just give me resources to help me understand how to read. And bro, like when they gave me those tools and they poured into me, I, it, it almost felt like my eyes were being opened for the very first time. And I remember wow. very, I just, I, I remember thinking to myself, like, was I really saved before this? Like I, I genuinely mm. like was confused. Like 
like how could I have been like I know like God had did a work in me but like how is it now that I'm able to see my sin more clearly than ever before and God's love for me more clearly than mm. ever before how is it now that every time I open up the Bible all I see is the gospel it doesn't matter if we're talking yeah. about forgiveness it doesn't matter if we're talking about marriage it doesn't matter if we're talking about money it doesn't matter if we're talking about gifts it doesn't matter if we're talking about like everything was centered around the gospel I was like how did I miss this because growing up I, I always thought the gospel was the entry point it was the mm. it was it's, it's 101 you know that's that's what you that's what you what, what you learn in Bible study and then as the older you get you move on to deeper things and I was like man you don't outgrow the gospel you only grow deeper in the gospel yeah and that's uh, so good. yeah and so um, but yeah that that was kind of like my story and so I started getting and long story short like that man the only reason why I left that lasted like two three years and senior year I had to step down because you know they were requiring more and more of me I was like leading a bible study by junior year and senior year they wanted me to be a member so the 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 bible study that I was a part of was a ministry um of Bethlehem Baptist which is John Piper's church mm -hmm. and so yeah, man, I even remember at one point they're like, yeah, you got to, they wanted me to be there and to continue to be trained up and grow in that, in that place. But I, I chose to, to be at the church I'm at now, um, which is a whole another story. We'll probably touch on that, uh, sometime in the conversation, but, um, that was kind of, yeah, I just, I remember thinking like, man, I'm growing so much and I'm learning so much. I want to go back to where I came from and, and, and help my community um, experience some of the things yeah. I've experienced. And so, but yeah, that's kind of my story in a nutshell. And that's a huge thing of uh, what I admire about you. I mean, seriously, uh, we've talked about this several times, but like um, there's a huge aspect in which you're open to a world of just like, like you said, that first Bible study, it's like a new world is <laughs> open to you. Yeah. And, like, seeing things through a completely different lens, it makes sense to stay there, right? Yeah. And so if you have the opportunity to go and stay at a place called Bethlehem, which the Lord could use however He chooses and still delight you in Him in that context, that the fact that you're, like, going back to a place in which, like, you love, but have also had, like, a lot of hardship mm -hmm. and things that, and it's like, okay, I'm going to serve here, man. That's, um, that's so commendable. And so I've always appreciated that about you. Man, that's love, bro. I appreciate that. Um, yeah. Let me let me ask you this. So you start attending an American church. You're mm -hmm. learning deep theological truths. Um, what was your attitude towards the Ethiopian church in the beginning? As you're you're kind of, you know, because we want to definitely talk about the journey. Um, leaving and coming back a little bit and, and, and seeing, yeah, we'll get to it all in a second, but like, what was like, as you're, as you're growing, as you're, 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 you're being discipled, as people are pouring into you, as you're seeing things for the very first time, as you're reading Chuck Swindle's commentary on Joe, mm -hmm. like what, what was your attitude towards the, the Abisha church at that point? Yeah, it's, it's kind of a, uncanny because you're talking about how like something God saved you from um, when you recognized your need for him was like self-righteousness because you thought you were good enough 
mm-hmm. for his love at a certain part, and he kind of took that away from you. <laughs> and I mean, it, it, as you confessed on your testimony in the other podcasts, it continues to be something that shapes in your life. It kind of increased without realizing it. It, it, it was so subconscious, man, of self-righteousness I had towards the Ethiopian church as mm-hmm. a public. Man, they didn't teach us jack. You mm-hmm. know what I mean? Mm-hmm. It, it wasn't mm-hmm. a true statement. But it felt that way. Yeah, you know what I mean, good, man. Yeah, it it really felt as if <laughs> yeah. my whole first years growing up in spirituality <laughs> were almost wasted, mm. um, because um, <laughs> I didn't hear any of this. Yeah. I didn't know how to see everything through the lens of the atoning work of Christ or the resurrection of Christ, for yeah. that matter. And to look at things in like an eternal light, and so I kind of felt um, uh, with uh, like I got a bad end of the bargain or a bad end of the deal <laughs> in, in just the way it was. So I was just like, "Oh yeah. man, uh, I I I don't know if I want to go back. Still love my friends there, like yeah. we can hang out, this or that." But uh, definitely not getting my theology from this Ethiopian church. That was my like subconscious reaction that I realized after a while that was ran really deep. And yeah. some bitterness that was there. I was like, "Are these people sick?" Mm-hmm. <laughs> Sometimes it takes wow. that. Yeah, no, that's real. I had very similar experiences, bro. Um, in mm. my in my self righteousness, there was this. Oh, man, I remember having conversations yeah, with friends, bro. Like it was it was bad. Some of the things we were saying. I remember like junior year of college, senior year, even like a year out i was like man bro like they don't know anything like it would be bold (laughs) statements like that like very arrogant statements like man i don't know anything like man this is why we can't progress you know like like it just got to a place where all i could do is point out the wrong and Um, that that's very 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 dangerous to do um Actually, yesterday I was like cleaning out some things in my room and I came across like my journal from 2015 and I was reading one journal entry and one thing I was doing in that and this is around the time where I started coming around and I'm like realizing like, oh, you think you know, but you really don't know. Uh, But one thing I was like writing in my journal was like, God, um, forgive me. It's really easy for me to see where we failed as a community helped me see Mm. where we've succeeded um and that was that was the start of (laughs) a journey a different kind of journey for me but but it was really at that like and i had to put that in my journal and that was like really my prayer because it it just got to a place where all i could see was the wrong like that whether it be the theology whether how we did service the structure the 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 level of excellence timing like the planning the vision casting the the raising up leaders the discipleship and the lack of lack thereof like all these was like man like what what are we doing you know and um, it wasn't until a little bit later on after college where the Lord started to open my eyes to all the good and how I wouldn't have been here without <laughs> the Abisha church at all, you know? And, and so, yeah. um, but yeah, so you, you were, you and I kind of had similar experiences in, in that being our natural or our first response to us kind of getting some, some, some theological training. What, 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 yeah. what, yeah, go ahead. 
Uh, no, uh, so I, I was just going to say, and I don't know if this is what you're going to ask, and I think um, some of what fueled that feeling of whether you want to call it betrayal or disappointment yeah. in the lack of youth of interest being able to progress was that my my introduction to just like probably reformed thought, honestly. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? And uh, we don't have to go there now, but that, that's all I was going to say. My goodness. <laughs> the amount of flack that I have received from my community for being reformed. But anyways, yeah, that's a whole other conversation. But yeah, you're like the, so yeah, let, let's go there actually. So I remember because okay. a lot of my training was influenced by the reformed camp. Um, mm-hmm. And so in the, like, here's the thing. This is the way, I, and this is what I was sharing with your brother earlier on today. When you're enamored by people who know the word and st- study it and care for it and are careful meticulous and meticulous yeah. and very detail oriented and just they savor the words every word mm-hmm. it's really hard for you to see um their blind spots um yep. that's a great way to put it especially like for somebody like me or maybe even us where mm-hmm. When you're introduced to people that see the word in a light that you've never seen people savor the word, it's almost like, how could they get it wrong? Look how much they care for it. (laughs) You know what I mean? Like, how could they miss some things? You know, like they're, the way they teach, the way they, like, you know, they're, they're about like the Greek and the Hebrew and the structure and the punctuation and, and the way sentences are formatted and bro, like they're paying attention to things I had never even thought about. Like how could they miss yeah. things? You know what I mean? All of that. But Absolutely. like, so for me, so the reason, and, and I bring all that up to say like being introduced to that camp and, and being um, just kind of indoctrinated a little bit, a lot of bit. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, <laughs> it, it was, it was easy for me to see everybody else's shortcomings and not really see where they fall short because of how, I mean, that this, that was the only camp I had been exposed to that revered the word of God yeah, the way that they did. And not to say people didn't, don't revere or, you know, honor and care for the word. I just hadn't seen it be taken care of the way I had seen it from yeah. the reform camp. It definitely felt that way. And so as there, you're learning things over there, you you know the Irish community it, it, it's you start getting embarrassed a little bit yeah <laughs> bro I like I remember sitting with my mentor one day in college and they were throwing a Halloween party and uh he's like yo you coming I was like I can't he's like why and he's like I was like yo Halloween is a sin bro it's the devil's birthday <laughs> bro the way he dismantled that argument like biblically. <laughs> Bro, I was like, yo, my whole life is a lie, dog. <laughs> a whole lie. <laughs> I was like, yo, I've been lied to my whole life, yo. And my and, whole life. And that honestly, that's where the bitterness and the anger and the frustration was birth where that was birthed from. It was this Yeah. Yo, like what what did I learn? And did I learn correctly and i remember one time i remember like talking with tech and some other guys and 
I was like, yo, I can't tell anymore if, if what I'm feeling is conviction or guilt, you know, mm. like, is this really what pleases God or is this what pleases my community, my yeah. culture? And so, yeah, I think that's why the disappointment in our community came into play for me is I just, I was learning things and unlearning things and relearning things that I thought I had a grip on. And that yeah. was through the reform camp. So what about you, bro? Like, well, so you said like, that was also your story where is the ref yeah, reform theology came into the picture things. Yeah. Yeah. It definitely uh, played a big factor in it. And something uh, you just said, like, uh, what is it that Andy, uh, <laughs> Andy Minio uh, says in his song, Clarity, he says, I spent half of my adult life unlearning lies that I heard in a dumb sermon, yeah, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Now, honestly, I, I, uh, this is a little speculative. I don't know if Andy's talking about the Reformed preachers he had heard or things before, but that's how I felt yeah. towards Ethiopians. Yeah. Does that make sense? Yeah. And so there was that almost kind of like the shame of like, man, not only is this like the narrative that people hold on like minority culture in general, not necessarily like ethnic minorities, but being like stupid and not put together, but I felt like we were that too. And I hate feeling stupid. You know what I mean? <laughs> Don't we all? Yeah. <laughs> and, and so like, there's definitely like a part where that's kind of self-righteousness. God mm -hmm. has continued to shame me. In. But yeah, the way I'll kind of talk about, like I was introduced to, reformed theology one day when I was cleaning uh, a bathroom at Lenexa Baptist Church, and I hear this sermon called The Highest Good of the Gospel hmm. by John Piper. Hmm. So I think my introduction was actually incredible, because who better than to just the hear goat. about... Yeah. Yeah, the goat than, than Piper. But then what ended up happening is I started going to like high school and trying to have conversations with teachers and stuff, and even, like, leaders in the church, yeah. I realized even though, like, some of the theology I was learning in Baptist world that was really foundational to doctrine and stuff, there was already disagreements among them. <laughs> so that's where I kind of just started siding with the guys in the books, like the David Platts, the Pipers, the Chandlers, the Thabetes, more mm -hmm. than I was the people shepherding my soul. <laughs> you yeah. know what I mean? No, yeah. I was like, dang, so my pastor almost sounds like super Arminian, um, <laughs> right? And so I'm like, okay, what do I do with this? Because I really enjoy a lot of his preaching. I love how biblically centered it is, and I do feel like he's drawing meaning from the text in a way that is powerful and gospel-centered, but some of the convictions people don't like to talk about from the pulpit, mm -hmm. they make their way into the conversations they have with people in discipleship, which is really the the main pulse of the church, right? Yeah. And so that's kind of the the field I found myself in. And I don't think, for me, there's this thing in Reformed camp where Calvinists call the cage stage, where mm -hmm. once you're introduced to Reformed theology, you become like this intellectually puffed-up person who no one likes. Mm -hmm. I think I was able to conduct myself in a way where I hid myself from being there, but in my mind, bro, it was, it was, it, it was there. You know what I mean? I felt like the theological conversations I was having with everyone, though even a lot of the arguments I used back then, I was like, okay, that was stupid. Yeah. I, I was like, okay, they, they, they don't hold a candle to this. Mm -hmm. So that continued to confirm my bias 
wow. that reformed theology was the way. Yeah. Man, I, I can relate to a lot of that. I think, um, you know, I enjoy intellectual conversations. I enjoy mm-hmm. deep, meaningful conversations. And I think in a lot of ways, I attached my, not necessarily faith, but my theology with my identity. And like, what, yeah. what I mean by that is it, it, it just made me feel like, like varsity. I don't know how to explain it. It just, mm-hmm. it, it makes you feel sometimes like, but you, you don't want to be the guy that doesn't know it, the right answer. You yeah. don't want to be the guy that gets beat out in a debate. You don't want to be, and yeah, I'm being very, I'm treading lightly. I'm being, I'm trying to be very vulnerable and honest. I hope people don't take this the wrong way, but just to kind of like put the heart on display like early on in college and even out a little bit like there was this like yo man I know better you know or man Mm. I I've done the homework you know and there was you know and that's what I was talking about earlier with that verse in Philippians 1 where it says like let your uh, love abound in knowledge and deep insight like there was this like the 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 knowledge and deep insight wasn't leading to love it was Mm. it was feeding my insecurity um and my uh self-righteousness in in some ways and but i didn't see that till years later maybe like four or five years later and you're like wow but that that was unraveled through some other unfortunate events that happened in our camp but (laughs) (laughs) um but yeah so i definitely um i hear you on that like i definitely see that so like you you it's even funny within your with even the 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 baptist camp you you were in your mind kind of already creating categories because although you're at a baptist church would you go to baptist high school was that uh, uh, I, the, the high school I went to was more non-denom, but the university I'm at is Southern Baptist. But you were, you were, you said you felt more comfortable citing like the Tabidis and the Pipers than you did in high school. Yeah, in high school. Then yeah. I did like some of the people who were separating my soul. Yeah, like Piper for a while, and even Chandler. Man, it was almost like I was listening to so much of their sermons throughout the week, like. I almost traded them for my pastor, which is a very dangerous thing to do for you podcast listeners. Listen to podcasts, but don't trade your pastor who's yeah. working his butt off yeah. to shepherd you well for people you hear. Yeah. Chandler and Piper don't want you treating them like your pastor. Yeah, it, it should, as Chandler says in all before all his sermons, right? It's supplemental, right? Mm-hmm. It's, it's not. It shouldn't be the main. Yeah, no, I'm with you on that too. Like, bro, like there was... Man, I remember when I came. You know the first message I ever heard by Matt Chandler. Which one? God is for God. <laughs> yes, the goat. Bro, uh, at the Orange Conference. Yeah, I was like, "Who is this man? And why do I enjoy him <laughs> yelling at me?" Like, you know. <laughs> um, but yeah, I just remember like digesting a bunch of Chandler, a bunch of Chandler. Like, man, it was yeah. like four or five times a day. I was trying to catch up, bro. I was late to the party. And so, yeah. So when let's like uh, just for the sake of time, like when when did the turn when did the turn happen where you're like, wait a minute, the reform camp isn't perfect, and the Avisha Church, God is working and moving. Yeah, um, that's 
I think it started uh, probably, um, it's when I started missing the Ethiopian community a bunch, right? So this is probably, as I'm in college, the closest Ethiopians that are near me are like two and a half, three hours away. <laughs> and I'm starting to remember, like as I'm reading more about love in the Bible mm-hmm. and what that looks like in the concrete, it started to show me, man, there's so much more to the multifaceted um, narrative of God's people that he has delighted to save. Yeah. That looked very different in many ways. And so uh, kind of that verse you're talking about in um, Philippians, of uh, like that you, our love may abound more in knowledge in this and that and the other. And you're saying if you were gaining more knowledge, in some ways it almost felt like you were becoming more loveless. Right, mm-hmm. so KB, when he was at Glory Conference, recommended a book to me called "You Are What You Love" mm-hmm. by a guy named James K. A. Smith, and I ordered that mug real quick. And something he says about that verse is, it's almost like Paul is saying, "The more you abound in love, the more you will increase in your knowledge of God." You know mm-hmm. what I mean? Mm-hmm. And so, um, and it, like he wasn't trying to sound formulaic. And so I was trying to examine myself and say, okay, how do I love God's people if I'm only centering myself on what the mind is? Because you were talking about your theology becoming your identity and having this big God theology stuff. But when stuff hits the fan man in your life, like things did, when stuff hits that abstract theology, it's not very helpful towards your suffering in the moment. Yeah. And so, like, abstract ideas that not a lot of people can't make sense of unless if they're in that field mm-hmm. is not helpful at all. And so I'm like, all right, Paul, let, let, let me look at some of the writings of Paul and what he's saying and how he's talking about how knowledge puffs up and how it's idolatrous to mm-hmm. cherish what you know more than the, your neighbor. You know what I mean? It's like, how 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 am I emulating that lifestyle and how much of that is like yes the fact that i will struggle with sin my whole life and how much of that is that this big god theology and glory of god over everything is not actually translating itself into a biblical theology and it's just more alongside with my camp so uh, stuff had happened in my life and i'm starting to question some things right Mm -hmm. a lot of it just became shame stuff in college honestly here's some vulnerability where a lot of um, my comfort in knowing that my assurance of salvation rests in the arms of Jesus and my uh, assurance of salvation and all of that, that kind of to go away as my sinful nature started like uh, surfacing itself again. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? And I had forgotten, I had hidden behind the cloak of self-righteousness. And there were a lot of people in my life that I had behind them you know what I mean? There are a lot of people who have kind of felt like I didn't care about them anymore. Mm-hmm. And I was like, is it enough to kind of just hide behind my theology to justify mm-hmm. my sin? Even wow. though I still believe that's true, right? Yeah. Even though I still believe it's true that Jesus' righteousness is enough to cover me. Even though that I still believe there's this redemptive cosmic truth God has for the world and the new creation that he's bringing. In this moment, I feel like I've made a grave mistake. And so I was like, all right, that kind of practically led towards dealing with my thoughts mm. and my actions towards the Abishah community, man. Yeah. And 
So that's kind of like, even you and I have kind of reconnected earlier in my life, but that's kind of like when you and I started talking more and more and more. I think you had had a conversation with my mom at my house, right? Yeah. Um, about uh, like something as she was coming, starting to form different like theological opinions. Mm-hmm. And yeah. you and I started like talking more and um, I started connecting with the Ethiopian community and things like that. And I was reminded I, w- I was reminded of the love <laughs> in practical ways that I had seen in the Ethiopian community that I hadn't in the individualism. Yeah. Because th- this is so so ironic about like a lot of Western churches and Western forms of thought. There's a lot of talk about the corporate nature mm-hmm. of the body of Christ yeah. in in the churches, but it still ends up leading to a lot of individualism. Yeah. And Definitely. and so that 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 shook me to the core, man. And so I'm like. As crazy as we Abishas are, we are not individuals. We are very community-oriented. Yeah. We're very corporate-oriented. So much so, I was saying this on uh, Sammy's Instagram Live last night, like, <laughs> discipline extends not just to your two parents, but their friends as well. Like, yeah. you know, my friends' parents yeah. are able to do that well, but the way that plays out is not just only negative things, but things like hospitality. Mm-hmm. A person who understands the gospel I've got to be some of the most hospitable people yeah. in the world. Yeah. You yeah. know? Yeah. And so once I started like connecting those dots and kind of just like repenting of self righteousness, trying to reconcile some things that people were like, No, we didn't even take it that way, but I had knew known had occurred in my heart, kind of made that transition back towards yeah. kind of getting back to your question now, like thirty minutes later. <laughs> no, you're good. No, of, good. Um, of kind of where that shift started to become more nuanced yeah. and more balancing. Maybe we, I don't have the monopoly on truth. No, it's good, bro. <clears throat> yeah, no, that's good. I, um, yeah. So like, so it sounded like for you, you just kind of hit some turmoil and mm-hmm. you just woke up one day and, and realized in missing your community like how mm-hmm. much of love, how much love you felt, and how hus- how hospitable yeah. they were, and how gracious they were, and how and yeah, and that was kind of like, man, like I was, like, they they exemplified for me a, a side of God that maybe this camp preaches about but doesn't necessarily embody. Exactly. Um, yeah, no, definitely. I mean, you think about, you know. <laughs> You know, I think 11 out of the 13 letters that Paul writes, it, it's not to an individual. Um, yeah. It's to a body, it's to a community. And mm-hmm. so, yeah, I know that's good. I, I know for me, it all happened, I want to say around 20, like I started feeling it 2015, but I, it really hit me 2016. Mm-hmm. And it hit me just seeing like the reformed camp be silent on a lot of the social justice issues that was taking place. Mm. And I remember this vividly. I remember we were having glory. I think it was 2016. No, it was 2017. And I, I, I picked up BJ Thompson from the airport and bro, he yep. came in. I don't know what kind of energy he was on, but he came in like fired up 
And I, I think part of it was, I think that was like the year where, uh, you know, the police officer wasn't indicted here in Minnesota. Uh, the guy that killed. Mm, for Philando. Yeah, Philando Castell. And okay. it was literally the, the same weekend as the conference was the same weekend he wasn't indicted. And yeah. yeah, there was just a lot of things going on in our city. But I just remember like a lot of people here and I think people expected things from certain people being from Minnesota and what, <laughs> you know, like, I'm just trying to not call names out. But like, I think there was some expectation there. And I remember BJ, I don't know if you'd be cool with me sharing the story, but he's like, man, your heroes are like evil. I'm like, man, he's like, our heroes, man, they'll fail us. You know, like there was like this like anger he felt. And he's like, yo, can you take me to the to the spot where he was shot? And I remember and at that time, too, I was really struggling with, um, you know, I didn't have a robust theology on social justice. I just didn't. Um, yeah. I had no reason to study it. And up until that point. And and, yeah. and and I think too, that's the blind spots of the reform camp. Like the, the camp that was training me in the ways of God left that part out. <laughs> like yeah. we talked about abortion, right? We we talked about homosexuality, yep. right? But there was no conversation around justice. Um mm. and so I was like my ignorance had a lot to do with the, the community I was being fed from. And so but I, I remember like taking BJ to the spot and bro like we were just walking and you know i don't yeah again i don't know if pj would be cool with me sharing these stories but he he just started tearing up bro he was just like crying mm. and like i i started crying seeing him cry um mm. not even like it wasn't even the, the the place it was seeing pj cry made me like cry yeah. and i remember thinking like yo there's something that is missing here because <laughs> my theology did not lead me to feel this way. Um, yeah, there's, there's, there, there are blind spots. And then lo and behold, there were uh, quite a few blind spots and, and, you know, like I, there were things I was already wrestling with other than like, you know, I mean, most, most people in the reform camp are cessationless, not all, but yeah. There's a good amount that believe that the, the, the workings of the spirit uh, or the gifts of the spirit have seized. Well, most of the gifts of the spirit, like the prophecy and the healing, so on and so forth. And mm -hmm. for me, like I was, I didn't wrestle with that. I was like, y'all are tripping. I've, I've seen things growing up in the Ethiopian church. Yeah, <laughs> There's no way you can convince me otherwise. You know what I mean? Yep. Um, but like, you just kind of like for whatever, forgive them for that. And you're like, oh, they, I don't know. They've missed it there, but it's like, Anyways, that's a whole another conversation. So for yeah, me, for sure, for that sure. was like, yeah. And then to be honest, bro, it was that season. And then also being back home, 2016 is when I moved back to uh, Minnesota from St. Louis and I became the youth pastor here. And bro, I was just blown away by like my dad, bro. Um, mm -hmm. um, bro, I, I, I don't, I don't think I've ever seen him miss a day of prayer. Um, wow. Every day, every day, literally every day the first thing that he does is go to the prayer room and seek God out. And yeah. I'm going to be honest like that, that, that rose some questions for, I was like, man, <laughs> why isn't my prayer life as fervent as his, you know? Um, if, if I am really falling in love 
with God or am I falling in love with the academia of knowing God, you know? And I was like, man, there, there's like, you know, our pastor Steve used to, that's a heavy hit. Yeah. Our pastor Steve used to always say the Bible is not the end. The the Bible is the doorway to God. It's supposed to like, like as you read and study, you don't, you don't just read to, to understand, but you read to meet the author. <laughs> yes. And wow. if, if, if what you know to be true about God is not leading to leading you to a more intimate relationship with God, there's something that you've missed. There's something that you haven't mm. understood. And so, you know, you like look at like the obvious and then like, bro, like, and so coming back to like, they would be, but we would have Bible studies every Tuesday. So Mondays are off days for pastors and Tuesdays. So I was surrounded by like the evangelist, Steve-O, like my dad, the choir director and everything. And when I first moved yeah. back, they were going through the book of Hebrews. So mm-hmm. every Tuesday we'd, we start off praying, reading a portion of a chapter, wow. discussing, praying again, going out to eat and fellowshipping. And I learned a lot in that time. Wow. You know, I was like, oh, they do study their Bible. Well, <laughs> <laughs> it's so funny even me saying that out loud because that's so ignorant and self-righteous. But um, but it was like, I just you just hear sermons sometimes and you hear see conclusions and you just, it's hard for you to think that, you know, anyways. Yeah. Um, but it's like, wow. And, and what they're learning about God is leading them to their knees. And it's leading them in their decision making and the way they want yes. to move and all that, you know. And so for me, it was like actually working closely with the Ethiopian church um, to see like, yo, God is here. God is working. God is moving. It's not perfect. But what church is, what what camp is, what community is, you know. And, and that's why I'm very like passionate about our community and even why we even yeah. have shaping the culture it's like it's a platform to reach you know I, I don't know I know like the audience is growing and it's it's becoming more vast now with some of the guests that we've been yeah. having and yo for if you're new to shaping the culture thank you for subscribing thank you I see your comments on YouTube all that good mm-hmm. stuff but like yo like it's just I really have a heart for a community because you know the the gospel is so good and um i think when you become you know like i I don't trust crit how do i say this like if you offer credit criticism without helping you're you're just a proud person Mm. but if you're offering critique to help and aid whatever you're critiquing that's a different scenario yeah. like something you know as a leader something i look for at our church i don't know if i share this with you when we were in vegas but you know i really pay attention to how people critique like if they say hey mm-hmm. we have a problem with being on time i trust mm-hmm. that but if they say y'all yeah. have a problem with being on time removing yourself from Definitely. the problem is not going to want you to be a part of the solution. <laughs> mm-hmm. And so like we as I, I don't know, man, yeah, yeah. And yo, like I, whoever is listening, like there is no church that's going to have the right answers. Yes. There, You're not going to find a church that has all, you know, maybe the problems you're 
trying to solve, you might find a church that has the answers for that particular problem. But guess what? You're going to come across some new problems and different problems. And, you know, I think like we got to be gracious to God's bride and, you know, roll up our sleeves, get our hands dirty and, you know, offer, um, offer what God has put in us to help build the, the church. And I think like it's, you know, to look for a perfect church is, is, is a, is a foul game because you'll never find yeah. one. And so I know I said a lot there, but what would be your encouragement? Like, um, as we think about or think through, uh, I know you haven't kind of integrated back into the Avisha church. Um, but yeah. like what, what have been your thoughts and what have, and, and then also like, uh, you can end with talking about even, how about you start off talking about like some of the concerns that you have? Cause I know we, we mm-hmm. talked about wanting to talk about that, but then, leave 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 it off with an encouragement or something that you are uh, blessed by yeah absolutely um i think my concerns uh would first start off with switching right the um the order uh if if you would say what what at least what can sometimes be like independent upon which Avisha context you're in. Sometimes it can sound like they're fumbling through the way in which salvation, reconciliation with God, and, and the life of the Christian is supposed to be. It's almost as if our gospel becomes the transformative life comes first before the announcement of God, of your righteousness has come. Right, and so I think that's what's so profound about like what. BJ was doing when you saw him crying there, right? I think his tears were motivated by a proper understanding yeah. of what the justice of God had accomplished on the cross, yeah. right? Because what we hear in the Reformed camp is, oh, we're all sinners, and since mm-hmm. we're all in need of a Savior, and we all have this position before God that is offensive and that is just contemptible, we shouldn't condemn people who are saved by God but have done atrocious things. Yeah. Right? That's yeah. that's honestly diminishing that's good, man. God's justice. Come on. So man. sometimes the way people do it in the reform camp is by diminishing it and the way we try to do it in the Ethiopian community is by paying for it. Mm. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, it's good, bro. And it's good. that's a really dangerous that's a really dangerous thing to do because the Bible I wish uh, like um the uh, like guys look Look through the Bible and look through the letters of even like First John. I'll, I'll I'll talk about this verse as part of my concern, but I'll also talk about it with my encouragement. First John three sixteen says this: This is how we know love. He laid down his life for us. And then the next verse says, If any of you see a brother and sister in need of material things, and you have the means to provide it for them but you don't. Does the love of God abide in you? There is a direct yeah. correlation between what you understand, what Jesus did for you on the cross, and satisfies for you on the cross, namely God's wrath and anger, right? Granting forgiveness and adoption as children to be warranted, and into you leading into acts of service that are immediately practical. That's not being not gospel-centered. That is... But we try to do meet the material needs before we understand what Christ has accomplished good, first. Yeah. And, and so the payment becomes very, very like our minds are always 
so like um condemned right we're always feeling like we can't approach god and that's kind of what we were talking about we didn't really know how to approach god boldly when you and i were growing up you know what i mean because we felt like a nuisance to him yeah and so like sometimes when i like hear preaching which i mean it's so easy for anyone to fall into this because jesus does have a theology of works that i think people can again diminish on the reform side but again for the Ethiopian community don't fall too in love with your response towards God's call and um, trading that for, like, tragically trading that as better than what Christ has done for you. Mm. Like, continue to get yourself acquainted with the finished work of Jesus every day, right? Rehearsing that to yourself. I've, there's many times I've stopped that and, like, been so, like... <laughs> in despair of myself, but gain comfort in knowing, okay, I can't pay for this. Jesus has. And now in response to that, this love does not come from me. You trying to love by your own self is um, crucial. And also another thing I'd say is just because a one-liner sounds good in a sermon, and this isn't even me trying to be petty, because anyone can fall into this. Uh-oh. Anyone can fall into this. Just because a one-liner sounds so spiritual it does not mean it's biblical talk about it bro talk about it it just got was that too far somebody's sweating in their seats right now as they listen to this (laughs) my god yo quick can i give a quick story real quick bro yeah just like don't forget your thought i just i just got shit sorry so at parazine bro is the funniest story ever happened so when okay. we first launched, everything I was saying, bro, I was like, hey, man, that's good. That's good. Hey, man, bro, I couldn't finish my <laughs> sentence. And I was I was like, bro, like, you know what's going on? I remember one Sunday I had to address it. And I was like, yo, have you even thought about what you're amening? Like, <laughs> like, have you, like, have you sat and, you know, and I, I gave that example of, of, of the, the story uh i think that's it is it a mark i'm forgetting the passage but uh you know as jesus is teaching this woman she's like oh my goodness like bless your mama for making you you know what i mean like she she was she was being ministered to so much she was just like yo jesus that's a good word like man and and you know jesus response is like blessed are those that obey the word and i was like so i like I, i remember sharing that and bro, I kid you not, our whole leadership team knows this story because the amens have died down since that Sunday where I called <laughs> that out. And I'm like, I mean, you could say amen sometimes, you know, I just let me just sure. let it let it do a work in you first. But anyways, go ahead. I just have to share that story. <laughs> no, I, I love that because I think that's just like a great picture of something like you're talking about these criticisms we can all learn from. Sometimes uh, something, uh, an exercise I do um is like uh, for for an example, if I'm listening to the BD or KD preach or something, right? That sounds really good, and I am gonna. I ask myself, would I amen it if somebody I don't really like their teaching said that same thing? It's good. That's an exercise I try to practice to kind of um, keep myself humble. So that's kind of like probably some central concerns. Like it would take too long to flesh out some other ones, but I think my encouragement that comes from that same um, verse is there is a hunger and obedience in the Abishah community 
That Facts. is obedience, right? In obedience, like in faith, right? Like uh, there's just hunger to do right by God, you know? Yeah, man. Absolutely. And that, yeah. that's what's fascinating to me, like that that's always there. Like some people like I'm super encouraged by, uh, just to shout out. I didn't even know I was going to do this. Uh, what's your, I think her name's Yalan Berhan. I met her in Vegas, right? Yeah, yeah, she was out there. She, yeah, she she is so convicted, right, in such a beautiful way to make everyone feel the love of Christ mm-hmm. through her. That it's 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 unbelievable how often she does it to as many people as she can. But she also understands her limitations and how that can be expressed. Right, she, she's confident in what God's doing through her that she's just free to love people. Right. Mm-hmm. And so I think the Hushas are really are really good at that, man. And so that's been super appealing for me to like kind of get rid of my crustiness, but also be like, okay, what have I been lackadaisical to? Because I know obedience doesn't justify me, right? Or doesn't save me. Do, do I still fall into the trap that I think it's not necessary? Which is a very thin line. People don't understand the big distinction thing. And so that's like coming from that verse in First John three sixteen. This is how He laid down His life for us. I, I see a lot of laying down of lives happening, you know. <laughs> and so, like that's my encouragement: continue to be people who learn what it looks yeah. like to be cross bearers. Um, but man. don't forget the one who carried the cross first before you, you know. Um, and so that's yeah. that's probably my encouragement, man. Because I love. I love our people so much, man. I uh, you were talking about how stupid it was sometimes to just like look back and be like, oh, they do study at Bibles. It's ironic because I can look back and look at people like, gosh, Emma's in my life. You know what I mean? Who yeah. are great signposts yeah. towards just redemption in those areas, but it's hard to see sometimes. So those are definitely things I'm I'm super grateful that God has redeemed in my vision of our people. Scared man. Yeah, I mean. Bro, that's a daily fight, man. I um, we'll end it with this, you know. Otherwise, we'll be here all day. But I, I remember this is literally like a couple of nights ago. Uh, my whole sleep schedule has been off with this COVID nineteen um situation. But um, I remember I was up and I was watching a vlogger on YouTube, and I just I just had a random thought. I was like, Yo, what if Jesus were to come back right now? This would be a really like dumb way for me to go out like watching a vlogger <laughs> how worldly you know what i mean yeah <laughs> and i i kid you not this is literally a couple of days ago i was like i turned on a sermon by john piper bro and i was like mm-hmm. bro i'm up but like i can't i don't have the mental capacity to listen and i turned it off and i was like guilt feeling guilty i was like wait a minute like i'm not gonna get in based off my merits like it's on jesus mm-hmm. you know like <laughs> I was like, yeah, but it's so easy how like, you know, you're like, you get it, but you don't. And it's a every, it's mm. an everyday fight to really believe that Jesus's atoning work is sufficient for our lives. And, yeah. uh, you know, there's freedom in watching the vlogger, you know, <laughs> yeah. uh, you know, I always uh, rehearse this line by Lecrae that he, he, he dropped a while ago. He was like, yo, if heaven ain't a gift, then I ain't getting in, you know, and uh, mm. that's the truth, man. If it's not a gift, then we're not going to make it. There's nothing. I can't buy my salvation. I'm too broke. And so. Yeah, that's so good. 
But yeah, man, we might have to do a part two. I felt rushed a little bit, but I was looking at the time, and I'm like, time is flying as well. And so yeah, it is flying, man. Um, but yeah, man, I hope you guys enjoy this podcast. I appreciate your insight, bro, and being vulnerable and sharing yeah. your story and uh, how you got to this point. Thanks for letting me. Join. Yeah, and uh, I hope, like, man, I don't know, I don't know who's tuning in, but I, I hope um, it is helpful, and I hope it. Uh, blesses you and, and inspires you to love Jesus more and um you know yeah that's all we could really pray for hopeful so pr- pray for and hope for so but yeah family Absolutely. it was dope um until next time peace and grace <laughs>